Welcome to this episode of Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories. I'm host Guy Massey, and today we're going to talk about the cats. Early morning coffee report. I poured and am enjoying my cup of Red Barn coffee in my Paul Massey mug. And I need to relay to you that it tastes just like, well, it tastes just like Sunday dinner with company. You know, that 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 smell of coffee transferring to the actual taste, where coffee actually tastes just about as good as it smells. That's the old cliche, you know, coffee smells good, but it's a disappointment when you taste it. It's a phenomenon that we all have to live with, with the bean. But in this case, the bean holds up, and it's called Red Barn. And I discovered it uh, on the stop and shop shelf yesterday when I went shopping. I did a big shopping. I did an $89 shopping. To me, that's uh, up in the big range. I very seldom hit the $100 mark when I go shopping. I do a couple shoppings a week. Uh, uh, I think I average about three shoppings a week at about uh, $30 to $40 per. Uh, I pick up my, my Marlboros uh, while I'm at it uh, at, at the, uh, at the uh, info counter. I guess you call it the info counter at Stop and Shop where they keep the, uh, the cigarettes under lock and key in the back. Um, and I get my usual two packs or one, well, I usually get a one pack. Uh, when I initially get my food card, um, uh, I work with my food card. Uh, my, uh, I call it my food card, but I guess you would call it the reward, uh, the gift card, gift card from Stop and Shop. I get a $50 and I get $100 and that uh, allocates my, my shopping. Uh, and that's my budget for the week, about $150. I'm trying to keep it within that. I'd like to be less than that. Um, I may switch uh, grocers. I may switch over to Market Basket. We have them up in in New England. Uh, in New England, it's a New England chain. It's actually, uh, I think they're out of New Hampshire or Maine. Uh, the Hannaford Brothers, I believe, own 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 the uh, own the chain. Uh, there's Kane scratching my couch and scampering about. Um, and I am, this reminds me to, the, he's reminding me now to talk about my cats. So I'm going to switch from coffee to cats. And isn't it a great thing about cats? Uh, I noticed that today uh, she came by the, uh, his, uh, his chair. He sometimes sleeps on the, on the uh, reclining chair. Um, and uh, he's he usually uh, is stirred upon by, by Lulu Kane, by Man Kane, and my girl Lulu. And she walked by just innocently enough, and there he comes down, and she then runs off. Uh, but, you know, there's really, I just discovered something about cats, and that is uh, there's not really a lot of aggression. Uh, the only aggression that would be a result would be the result of, of uh, Cain's inquisitiveness. 
Lulu uh, will will uh, stir about. Uh, in this case, she went under the dining room table from the living room where the where where uh, Kane was, and uh, he uh, he reacted by coming down off the chair, and she just uh, leaped away, literally. Uh, and uh, you know you got to watch out for a little head hitting hard objects and furniture. It's amazing how these cats can just fly at about 80 miles per hour and not not counter any real obstacle. Uh, how their radar works is beyond me. Uh, but in any event, he um, I want to just make the point that he he doesn't show aggression. There's no aggression involved at all in this scenario. Her reaction is a reaction. It's not an aggression. It's, it, it is aggression. I'm not going to say it's not, but it's a, an aggression based on on uh, her reaction to his uh, his entreaties, um, and uh, it's very interesting to see the di- dynamic and interplay between these two animals. Uh, and it's really based upon innocent. I actually kind of get a chuckle out of the the activity. It can really stir up the house. Uh, it can echo throughout all the rooms uh, in a disruptive manner. Uh, it can be very loud, uh, as you may have heard that that scampering, and that was just one cat uh, scratching a, a scratch scratching the side of my couch, which he doesn't. Danger, there's no danger of him picking apart the side of my couch, as if you could care what less uh, any less uh, of what happens to my the side of my couch certainly but uh, um, he, he doesn't do any damage and he goes about uh, to he continues on to uh, tip himself over uh, uh, sort of um, uh, carry himself over onto the rug which is right near by the couch and I, I'm, it's my couch here in the studio I call it Studebaker it's a studio couch. It's a sectional studio couch that I have deemed it. Um, it, it would fit in any living room, but it, it uh, works right perfectly in my, uh, in my recording area. So basically, it is a, it is a situation where um, it's, a, it's a, a simple case of uh, inquisitiveness on Kane's part and Lulu's reaction with aggression. And, of course, there's no damage done. That's the bottom line. There's no damage done. Uh, there's, there's really an innocence about it. And a, uh, although not carefree, uh, I like my cats to be carefree, uh, just like we want each other to be carefree, don't we? in our daily lives. Uh, the daily lives of my cats uh, results in these occurrences happening ooh, approximately five, six, seven times a day. Some would say that's a lot, but I think they're spaced out where it doesn't seem overbearing. It's a little on the repetitive side, I'll give you that, um, but it's not overbearing. My cats uh well, you know, my cats are everything to me, and uh, you can't have them. They're mine. Uh, Kane 
is uh, I'm going to just talk about my cats again, if you don't mind. I love talking about my cats. Um, my cat, Kane, is a cat that is a cat's cat. My cat, Lulu, is a quintessential cat's cat. She's mellow. She is, uh, is, is a cat that seeks out a spot. Already, huh? Already, already she's a cat's cat in your world. She, uh, she sleeps, uh, a, her share of sleep, she definitely does. She sleeps at the corner of a bed. She picks a usual spot. Uh, her spots are a little less varied than his. Kane has a bunch of different spots. The top of my couch, the corner of my uh, chaise. He's got several spots within the couch range. How's that? Uh, he's up against the pillow, or he's sprawling uh, on the middle, the middle pad or the middle seat cushion of my Studebaker. He, uh, they hang around in the studio. They're studio cats. Uh, they want to make a recording. They told me they want to do a little cat recording. They want to take advantage of my equipment during the cat hours of the night, which I am up for. I am up for it because I'm up. <laughs> I am up in the cat hours of the morning. Literally, uh, I uh, got up. I've got to tell you, I, I, had, I woke up more times in a while. It's been a while since I've, um, I've awoken up uh, just about every hour 15 minute mark how's that that's like pretty sick uh maybe i should get checked out for that but i know what the result is i know what the uh the cost the causality of that is uh, if i were to diagnose it from where i sit i would say that i have an enlarged prostate and i do my doctor has already told me i have it he said keep an eye on it we'll keep an eye on it guy he's he's a really mellow doctor but he's effective he he diagnosed and treated my hashimotos which is a thyroid uh, low thyroid uh, it's uh, thyroiditis is what it is um, and it's low thyroid and um, I was feeling lousy for the longest time uh, probably a year before I seek any medical attention uh, the doctor was referred to me, and he accepted me as a patient gratefully. And I, I mean, I'm grateful for that. And um, all things, all good things, come to an end because he he diagnosed me and treated me with uh, levothyroxin. He said it's going to take you about five months before you start feeling better, and uh, six months actually. And I think he was just about right because at about the five and a half mark. Maybe a little longer than that, approaching six months, I was feeling, I could report back to him that I was feeling better, and he was happy. He was happy. So it's, uh, it's a great, he's a great doctor, Dr. Lamondola uh, in Warwick, in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, uh, one of the best doctors that you could ever have. I recommend him. If he's accepting patients, we don't know. But... Uh, He's, he's just the best. So I'm up and around and abound and about uh, with uh, the clock, watching the clock every time I get up in the studio. When I wake up and walk into the studio, 
I have a propensity to head to the studio. Um, I get podcast fever. I like to check out the BBC News. It's a three-minute report. Um, I just like to get the perspective from across the shore. Uh, I don't know if you can blame me. It's a release from our frenetic uh, delivery of news today. And uh, the monotone of the news and the mono... Uh, the mono packaging of the news and the mono approach and reporting of the news and reports themselves seem to be on the mono side. They are one-sided. It's usually about COVID or it's usually about uh, societal unrest. We like to do that, I guess, as a society, report on our own unrest. But uh, England does it a little differently. England... uh, you know, they've got... I love, first of all, I love the, the sound of the English voice. This is the BBC Evening News. Or the BBC News. With Nigel Copeland reporting. And it's very professional. And there's no pauses like I just did. It's all uh, purposeful. And it's a three-minute brevity report. But I'll tell you, you get more information in that three minutes. It's amazing how much information they pack in. But my cats, getting back to my cats, because that's what this podcast was titled. And, uh, I, uh, you know, it's like, kid, it's like babies and pets, babies and animals. If you, put a, if you do a commercial with babies and animals, uh, people are going to tune in, you know. Uh, it's just, uh, just the way it is. And I like my animals. I want to always relate them to you in any kind of fashion that I can, in any segue that I can. Major announcement, Motorola has updated the phone. Uh, it came in remotely over my phone, an update to the software that runs my phone. And may I just say, I like it. I like it already. It's, uh, it's uh, showing itself on programs that I'm using, within the programs even, uh, within Anchor. I'm noticing a different appearance to Anchor. I'm noticing little featurettes that pop up so far. Uh, in the very brief uh, uh, re-entry into the program uh, in order to do this morning's podcast. So uh, it's all well. I'm doing a remote podcast today. It's fun to do. Um, I like remote. Um, I was unsuccessful in my donut remote, as you may know from a few back, a few podcasts back, where I was in Providence uh, at the corner of Ives and and Ives and Wickenden Street streets at, at PV Donuts, uh, waiting for to get in, uh, in from the COVID line. Uh, we had to stay uh, separate. Uh, we had to say stay about six feet apart on, on the X's to wait to get into the store, uh, to the shop. And uh, I picked up a, uh, it was a great uh, French, toast, uh, French toast donut for my sister Janet. She wanted that one. Uh, she knew the flavors that they had available. She had been a few times already. I picked a, another one called Cinnamon Bun, and that's a great donut. And I bought two of those, one for my brother Pierre and one for myself. So it was a great, uh, great time. But uh, my remote operation, uh, operation remote uh, phone did not work. So uh, we went back to the studio 
uh, and uh, found out that the remote uh, didn't save. Uh, there was a problem with the uh, with the um, with the whole hookup. So that was a disaster. But um, I recap basically what happened on my report in the studio. Uh, but the phone, the, using the phone uh, on location is a very portable way to, uh, to produce a podcast. And I think I'm going to incorporate it in future podcasts. Um, I would like to have done it when the tree came down in my neighbor's yard. Uh, it would have been great to get some voices remotely and perspectives there right as it happened. Uh, but uh, it didn't occur to me. I shot some video instead for my own personal, uh, my own personal use. Um, I like editing. I like uh, editing in the fly with my fo- with my video. I've got a pretty good video uh, capability on my Motorola. But this software is new and it was unexpected. It popped up and said you're due for an update, restart. Uh, I uh, actually. Uh, click the button to update, and nothing seemed to happen. And then uh, the phone was off overnight, and the next morning, uh, this morning actually, when I uh, powered the phone on, or rather I went just to go and cue it back on, it had already been started up, and it was it was on overnight. Um, it uh, said that the it, all, I had, all I had to do was restart it, and you'd be golden, golden, good to go. And sure enough, I am, and I'm in the new operating system. It, it already sent a flag that showed me that uh, at the top of my phone that told me that the update or uh, yeah, update was successful. So that's all I needed to know, and I'm happy to report to you that that's the situation with the phone. <laughs> Jerry Garcia. Been a while, a little bit, since I brought him up, but uh, there's never a time where I don't want to bring him up. But we get on, t- we get on different tracks, don't we, people? Get on different tracks, and you have to can't can't think of everything. You can't cover everything under the sun. You know, when you're thinking of one thing, you can't be thinking of another. When you're watching a TV program, you can't be really thinking about the cats. They're off in their own world, and you're just focused on what you're watching, whether it's a Western or, you know, Adam-12 <laughs> or any any show. Um, even the commercials, you're kind of paying a little bit of attention. Although I skipped... Cha- I am a channel flipper, folks. I am... You look under uh, flip channels. Well, I don't think there's a definition in the dictionary, a two-word de- definition. But if you look up phrases channel flipper you're going to see my picture because I am a marathon decathlon Olympic channel changer the minute I see a pharmaceutical ad that comes on I either lower it or I change the channel to another network and another presentation and if there's another commercial I'll continue to change the channel I'll go up the entire dial I'll go down the dial. I'll go sideways and backwards anyway to avoid these commercials. I don't have the feature to, to... I can mute them, but I can't get rid of them. I can't bring them down to a little corner in the... In the, in the I wish I could. I wish I could 
I wish they had that feature, don't you? To be able to shrink down the picture, do a little picture-in-picture picture feature. Picture-in-picture has been around for a while, folks. It's been, uh, it's been a, it's an it's invention. It's a wonderful invention. Uh, they don't even have that on YouTube. You notice they don't really have it on YouTube. Not that I'm aware of. Not on my version. But that little picture in the corner, you know, that shows you, that could show you your commercial while it would automatically flip to a, a, a channel that has programming in progress. That would be a great feature, wouldn't it? That would be like a deluxe feature, and I would buy it. I would actually pay for that. I would actually pay for that feature. Anything to avoid watching these commercials. At least on YouTube, you can skip the, the commercial, right, folks? Very rarely, very rarely, like hen's teeth, will I, uh, will I watch a, a commercial on YouTube in, in its full progress because it goes on and on and on and on to eternity or it goes into another commercial. That's the fear. That's the fear, isn't it, folks? I would not mind a commercial if it was just one commercial. Why can't the networks just go to one commercial? Uh, let's say it's two minutes long. That's about my max. I can handle it. I can handle those insurance commercials. I can handle the funeral expense commercials where it's going to cost you $30,000 by the time, you know, by in 10 years. Uh, they really use the scare tactics. They're masters at that. I don't need to tell you that. You already know that. Commercials are hell. It's plain and simple. Carpenter Square. Hammer. Sledgehammer. Cup hook. Pipe elbow. Hinge. These objects hinge upon the trappings of the old neighborhood hardware store. Chevalier's was the name of the store I worked at. And I'm revisiting the hardware store. On this episode of Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories, I bring you the craft of making things better for your home. What did the store represent? The hardware store represented improvement to your life and home, translating to family and even friends. Did you want to impress people? Not necessarily, although that's not a bad thing in its own right. But the main purpose was just to improve your everyday surroundings, make things a little bit better, and the hardware store made it possible. Without this sounding like a commercial, the hardware store was about people. It was about conversation. 
It was about helping, assisting, facilitating. And the objects in the hardware store were the subject at hand, because after all, it was all about hardware. Do these stores still exist? Few and far between. Now the big box stores have taken over. With just about everything in life, the old world has succumbed to the new. And my memories of working at Chevalier's Hardware in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, are such that it conjures up feelings of satisfaction in the store display. What, what did the public see out in the front on the streets? That's the advertising of the hardware store. That's what made people come and walk through your bell-ringing door. So picture a, a doorway with a clicking latch, a creaky door opening with the bell, of course. A manual bell. A ringling ding ding bell. <laughs> and as you walked on the creaky old floor, worn from previous purchases, a symbol of ongoing commerce, you headed down the main aisle. And there, tucked in the, the rows of shelving with merchandise as tall as a six-foot man, hidden from view was the cash area, the cash register. Some stores had a long counter going along the side. That's the classic setup, running parallel to the store. Chevaliers had a cluster of cash registers in the middle of the store, centered around the objects. Good strategy. The, the store also featured rental tools like floor sanders and chainsaws, but it was more about the hardware for me than my experience. I liked it when customers came in with that small screw that they needed to match, always needed to match the screw or another half inch longer or shorter. They'd bring in the actual screw, rusted, and either had to replace it or upgrade it to a heavier diameter or length. And you'd bring them to a row of small drawers. Let me try to describe this. It was about an acre long, although the, the store was less than an acre, <laughs> certainly a small store, but the, there were banks on both sides with these drawers, and the name of the company was Sharon Bolt and Screw Company, or Screw and Bolt. They were the suppliers. They would come in and take out each, each little, tiny little section of drawer and replace it with a new stock of screws, nuts, hinges or uh, items like that, although the hinges were actually kept in another area of the store. Um, but, you know, cotter pins, um, uh, little little bushings and such, little, little tiny parts, tiny parts that needed to be in a drawer 
in a compartment of a drawer. And those little cardboard compartments would come out and get replaced with a brand new one. And it was a man that came in and uh, he went around the whole array of these drawers, about a hundred or so, and just kept them all in stock. And each drawer had about, oh, 20 compartments in it for, you know, a total of 2,000 uh, different variations of the same theme. Against the wall in the back were the heavier bolts, the lag screws, the, uh, the, the large nuts and bolts uh, for heavier duty usage, and of course the nails. What hardware store would be complete without a selection of nails? Four penny, six penny, eight penny, ten, all the way up, I believe, to sixteen penny spikes. Actually, spikes you would get into that range. But you didn't just carry regular nails, you had to carry you had to carry certain coated nails and you had to carry galvanized nails, right? For outdoor use. You had to carry galvanized uh, lag bolts and hexagon bolts and galvanized nuts, galvanized bushings. And, of course, you had paint, the paint section. If there's any store that works its hard ass off, it's the hardware store. And we're between paint and paint thinner, lacquers, varnishes, polyurethane varnishes, and, of course, your varied array of paint charts, okay? Your selection of paints. We were a customized paint shop. In other words, we could customize your, your color to exactly the shade you wanted. We didn't carry just off the shelf. You could buy your base and tint it. Or you could buy your color right off the shelf in the gallon as it came. And, of course, the hardworking store had to carry quarts of paint. And it had to carry an array of varnishes in different colors and shades you know, you had an antique china closet at home that you were refinishing. My dad uh, had an, bought an antiquing kit. It was big in the early 70s, antiquing your furniture, uh, covering up the wood with another color. And I've got the china closet here in my, my dining room. It uh, has, it's got the dishes in it and the, the little tchotchkes. Right now, I've lost the key to it. Um, I broke a window when I banged my head into it after falling. When I was, um, I made the illusion earlier to the, to the, I alluded earlier to my experiences with my uh, diagnosis of Hashimoto's. But the, when it came to a head, when a before diagnosis, I uh, had a gallbladder problem and uh, as a result I fainted or I actually blacked out carrying a dish of spaghetti uh, to bring to my mom who was in the sitting room watching TV uh, I, the spaghetti went all over the place, my head went right through the glass and I was down on the floor, down for the count 
the the shard of glass, the the, the sharp edge that stayed in the in the uh, in the window pane uh, at the bottom part of the wood, just nearly missed my juggler vein. I I wouldn't be doing a podcast right now today. I can tell you right now, uh, you would be podcast free from Guy Massey. I can tell you that. Uh, so uh, I survived it. I immediately woke up or got up from my blackout, and my mom was in panic mode. And uh, to this day, I feel so bad that I caused that that uh, panic. Is all I can say. Uh, my mom thought she was in in her bedroom. I thought she was in the sitting room when I was coming in. Uh, but she had been she had gone in, over into her bedroom. And uh, I would have not even had any cut. I had cut injuries, had to go to the hospital immediately. Uh, my neighbor Gary, the same neighbor that I bike ride with, uh, we're talking about uh, the year 2010 here. So we're talking already uh, going on 11 years ago when this happened. And then I was found out, found out that I had had to have my gallbladder removed. So you're, you're listening to a podcaster without a goal, without a, <laughs> who's got a lot of gall, but has no gallbladder. I, I don't have one. It's been removed. And uh, my cousin Andy thought it was all a bunch of bullshit. He thought uh, it wasn't the gallbladder that was the problem. Uh, he knew that I fell. He knew that was real and knew that I blacked out and almost cut my neck out. Uh, but he, um, he knew he had a feeling something was up and it wasn't my gallbladder. Uh, he's not a doctor. He doesn't pretend to be on television. Uh, he's passed away since. He passed away in 2015. Uh, my cousin Andy, um, God rest his soul. I love him very much. And, uh, but he, uh, he may have been right. He may have been right. He thought I was, it was a joke, uh, that I was at the hospital for 10 days. I, although I needed to be, I needed to be Memorial hospital is a community hospital it is no longer in existence. It went out uh, just several years ago. Uh, it had a, um, it had a cat scan, uh, uh, a, uh, device that was in use way too much and it only, they only had one uh, it was not the richest hospital in the world it wasn't a hospital of endowments that's for sure um, and it wasn't a hospital of rich affiliation um, it was a cost cutting uh, money conserving community hospital that tried to serve its public with the budget that it had to work with and we're not talking about a small, little, teeny hospital here. This was a hospital that had upwards of 200 beds, or even more, actually. I think it was almost 300 beds. Uh, this is a good-sized hospital. Served Pawtucket. Uh, its glory days were, let's say, from its inception in, in the turn of the century uh, up until, uh, let's say, the 70s and 80s, and it and started to go into rapid decline through the 90s and uh, into the 2000s.
How did I get off the subject of Jerry Garcia? That's another example of missing my arc. But I did do the good big arc around my story of falling through the china closet and my gallbladder and my Hashimoto's um, to come full circle back to Jerry. And let me tell you about Jerry. Um, I've got some great news to tell you. This band is continuing to bring us great music through YouTube. Simple as that. YouTube does it for me. I don't have one CD. I own no CDs of the Grateful Dead because I was not a Grateful Dead fan until until 2019, 2018, late 2018, where I discovered the band on YouTube itself when I went to look for a Providence concert. I wanted to see, okay, let's, I just saw something about the Grateful Dead, the band that uh, uh, was just like, sort of like, I thought, sort of on the idea of Allman Brothers, but with a little bit more hippie, kind of groovy uh uh, hippified, drug-infused drug uh, uh, troubadours. And uh, and I didn't know the personnel at all, had no idea who these guys were. But I said, I, I'm going to see if they did anything in Providence. There must have been something that intrigued me about the band to initially me, for me to check on, on, uh, on what their presence was on as far as Providence concerts. I was probably going through a Providence thing there where I have some pride for my city. I live in Pawtucket, but I'm really a, a, a proponent of Providence. And so, uh, like my brother Claude, um, who I have to mention, uh, everything, he revolves around Providence. He lives, where does he live? Does he live in Providence? No, he lives in Middletown, Connecticut. It's a small city that's... Uh, uh, on the idea of, uh, oh, I don't know, I can't even really give a correlation to what it would relate to as far as a city in, in Rhode Island. I think it's about the population of Newport, but has no, no resemblance to Newport whatsoever. Not that I can imagine. Claude would probably uh, bring me into cues of the city that uh, tie into Newport. Uh, but it, I don't know, it's a landlocked city like Worcester is, uh, like Hartford. It, but it's on the Connecticut River, so it's not technically landlocked. You can't really call it landlocked like Worcester. Worcester has no river that I can think of that's of any significance. Claude, again, would correct me on that, I'm sure. Uh, there'd be a nearby river. Uh, the Blackstone River. I'm sorry, of course, Worcester is is situated on the Blackstone River. Uh, how dumb of me. How, how ignorant. And uh, Sorry, Claude. Didn't mean to... If you're listening to this podcast, which he... My brother Claude's great. He checks out my podcast. Uh, he's, he's trying to ramp up his own, but he's, he's still interested in what I have to say, which is pretty cool. Which is pretty cool. But not to get off the subject of the Grateful Dead. Um... And uh, he'd say, oh, gee, here we are back in the Grateful Dead. That's, I actually sound just like him. Hey, here, geez, guy, here you go. Grateful Dead, what the hell, what the hell? Well, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. I'm just going to give you guys another minute of this. I, I want to just relate to this, uh, what, what, uh, what happened with me. And uh, I put on China Cat Sunflowers, one I picked from Providence, Rhode Island. 
of April of 1974 concert. And, um, and, and then Mississippi, uh, Mississippi Half Step Toodaloo is another great song. The China Cat Sunflower, I Know You Rider, it's the slash, they're always together, I learned later on, right away almost. I was hooked. I was hooked, okay? Uh, I can't relate to you any more than that. Um, I can't express to my brother Claude. It uh, seems like any of the interests, entreaties that I do, uh, is that the word? Mark saying yes. Entreatises. Entreatises. That's the proper way to say it. The entreatises. The entreatises. E N T R I T R I T I E S. Well, give it up. <laughs> The uh, the overtures. Ah, maybe that's a safer word to use. The overtures uh, to Claude. Uh, he's probably falling on deaf ears. <clears throat> he can't seem to understand uh, how how this is an important band. Uh, I I I am going to go out on on a little limb here because I don't really need to. I think they're the most important rock band. Uh, ever to walk the face of the earth, okay? They're, they're the goat in my book. Um, I know that's old habit, old old parlance on my part to, to keep relating that to you every time, I, every chance I get, although I haven't brought up the Grateful Dead on several, uh, maybe 10 podcasts already. I apologize for the technical problems we had in previous podcasts. I found out I couldn't use any of the music. Is copyright protected. Uh, even the dead in their mellow attitude has a corporate bent like anything. Has, well, they got to do. They got to protect their rights, right? They got to protect their... It's the most important rock band, uh, certainly the most important live act, uh, the greatest live act artistically, professionally, uh, and uh, spiritually uh, to, to grace our planet. Boy, that's a really big thing to say. It is. I know it is, and I'm sorry I'm keeping on about it. I won't say it anymore. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop about the dead uh, in the tracks. We'll keep it Keep it just under wraps. I'm going to keep it to myself, maybe. No, I'm not. I'm going to share it in any opportunity I get. 